With just a few weeks left in 2023, there is still time to take several steps that could put you in the best position before the year ends. In this episode, we're going to talk about five money conversations you should have with yourself, your spouse, your immediate family, and your community before the end of the year that could help you do just that. Let's get started. Let's get some money. From New Money, New Problems, it's the New Money, New Problems podcast, a show for successful professionals searching for the tools they need to navigate financial opportunities and obstacles they've never seen. Negotiating compensation, purchasing your first investment property, helping your family with money, the highs and lows of entrepreneurship. New Money brings new problems that require new solutions. Join us as we work through them together. I'm Brenton Harrison, and this is the New Money, New Problems podcast. Hello, my name is Brenton Harrison of New Money, New Problems, and your host for the New Money, New Problems podcast. I hope this uh, episode finds you well, as the emails say, that you had a relaxing Thanksgiving and that you're preparing for a relaxing Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, whatever it is that you celebrate, if you do indeed celebrate. Over the last several weeks, we've been getting into the weeds when it comes to open enrollment and employee benefits. Uh, and in the last couple weeks, had some insights from our friend Kevin Matthews at Building Bread uh, on things like building your own portfolio. In this episode, I want to get a little more introspective because we're coming up to the holiday season and the holiday season, if not handled appropriately, is a time where many of us can put ourselves in a position where we overextend ourselves or there are steps that we do or don't take that could have put us in the best position at the end of the year to take advantage of the year ahead. So in this episode, we're going to share five money conversations that you can have that will help you along the way. Number one is to set and communicate your holiday financial plan. Now, you probably have not heard the term holiday financial plan because as far as I know, I'm the only person who uses it. And if you know other people who use it, uh, do me this courtesy and just don't tell me. Let me have this one. But a holiday financial plan to me is a plan for the holiday season separate and apart from the rest of your budget, the rest of your financial plan that makes sure that you don't overextend yourself in the holiday season because there are several factors at play that make it more likely that you do just that overextend yourself. One of those factors are the expectations that you have of yourself and how you choose to spend the holiday season. As an example, when you reach a certain level of income, there are certain things that you may not have been able to do in the past that maybe you do want to do this year, like travel every year for the holidays. You may want to do something as simple as taking holiday photos and sending out Christmas cards or New Year's cards, whatever it is that may be. There are certain things within your budget that now that you can do it, shoot, even buying a real Christmas tree is something that costs a lot of money these days and if you're doing all of those things or even the majority of those things at once the cost can quickly spiral out of control so I often encourage people to have a budget and set expectations during the holidays that are separate and apart from what they do January through November and have the conversation either with themselves with their spouse and establish a limit to the money that you're going to spend in all of those key areas or even adjust your expectations as an example most of my family lives in Nashville but we do have some who live in Memphis New Orleans, New Jersey, Belize, all over the place. And my wife also has family who some of them live here, but some of them live in places
places that are easier to get to than others. Some of them live in places uh, that are more expensive and more difficult to get to. So we have to have that conversation every year. Are we going to travel for Christmas and Thanksgiving? Just Thanksgiving? Just Christmas? Are we going to stay put this year? If we travel one place with just the three of us, that's six plane tickets that have to be purchased. If we travel on Christmas and Thanksgiving, that's 12 tickets that have to be purchased. You have to have an idea before you get to December of what you think may be too much so that you can establish those boundaries. Because another factor at play is this. When you are a first or a second generation high income earner, it is highly likely that you operate in spaces where you are not the majority, meaning that a good number of the people around you do not do as well. And I say that in quotations as you do financially. And as such, there are often assumptions made about what you can afford that are inaccurate. This could extend to family who expects you to travel to come see them every Thanksgiving or Christmas thinking that you can afford it. It could even be things like charitable organizations. We just came off of Giving Tuesday and you have a charitable organization that maybe you supported in the past that expects you to support this year at a certain level. And they may be unaware that it's either not in the cards this year or you might have three or four other organizations that expect your support as well. For family, it could be conversations to let them know, hey, we're going to plan to come next year, but this year we have other things that we're needing to do financially, and that's just an expense that we can't cover this year. There doesn't need to be any shame or embarrassment because the fact of the matter is, if you put them in that situation, if they can afford it, that's great for them. But many times we feel shame about telling people that we're not in a position to pay for something that if roles were reversed, they couldn't pay for either. So it's just about how you communicate it and making sure you do so in advance by setting your holiday plan. The second conversation is for if you actually did decide to travel, because this is definitely something that I think is better done in person than over the phone or over Zoom. And that second conversation is when you're around your family at the holiday time, before you get there, tell your family that you would like to have a conversation about the older generation's preparedness in the event of an emergency, their incapacity or their death. Now, by this point, you've heard a lot about my family and my wife's family. My grandparents are in their early 90s to late 80s. My wife's grandparents are all in their 90s, the living ones, uh, and her mother's parents are 96 years old. And I can tell you that people of that generation are not always keen to talk about their finances, what they have, what they don't have, or even something as simple as where it's located. You could have a parent where they have a bank account, but you have no idea with which bank and how much is in there. And they like to hold that information close to the vest. But the fact of the matter is at some point they will either need assistance or unfortunately they will pass and you will be left to administer their estate and handle their affairs. So in the event of their death, you need to have an idea of whether or not they have a will. You need to ask if there are any life insurance policies available. In many cases, you might have a pure life insurance policy or you might have someone from that generation who was like a school teacher or a brick mason who had a union and they might have a life insurance policy associated with that union or with that teacher's association. But you need to know so you can do your research before they pass. You also need to ask in the case of an extended bout of incapacity where there's a long term care need like a nursing home or an assisted living facility. If your parents or the older generation has things like long term care insurance, because in the absence of long term care insurance, they may have to apply for things like Medicaid, which requires a spending down of assets. So you can essentially be impoverished enough to qualify for government need. So having an idea of what they have and don't have is important. And if you have siblings or people on your generation 
who would be sharing that burden you need to have a conversation with those people as well to say if these things come up how are we going to split it or can we split it because the other portion of that as a high income earner is if you do not have siblings or cousins or what have you who have the same financial capacity as you you may be unaware that they are fully expecting you to take on the lion's share if not all of the expenses in the event of some of these emergencies so these are difficult conversations to have you need to have some prep to let these people know that you want to talk about it you don't just need to bring it up at the Christmas or Kwanzaa or Hanukkah table and say hey guys I want to talk to you about what happens if you die so they're tricky conversations to have but I can tell you the only thing trickier is not having them so take the bull by the horns and approach these conversations sooner rather than later after the break we'll tell you the last three conversations you need to have and we'll bring this thing on home this is the new money new problems podcast a show for successful professionals searching for the tools they need to navigate financial opportunities and obstacles they've never seen. We'll be right back. Are you wondering what new money problems you might be overlooking in your financial life? If so, we've got great news. We've crafted the New Money, New Problems Gap Finder to identify potential weaknesses in your finances in areas ranging from budgeting, investments, insurance, and even the threat your extended family's finances could pose to your household. Please head to newmoneynewproblems.com slash gap finder to complete it today. Again, that's newmoneynewproblems.com slash gap finder to take the assessment. You're listening to the New Money, New Problems podcast. Subscribe now at newmoneynewproblems.com. Welcome back. Welcome back from the break. The third conversation you need to have is one with your financial advisor about what has happened in the year that's passed and what your plans are for the year ahead. So we can take advantage of any year end deadlines that may help you financially or with your taxes. As an example, some year end deadlines may be things like putting money aside in your 401k. Open enrollment deadlines would be things like making sure that you have signed up for an HSA or an FSA or a dependent care FSA during open enrollment, because in most cases, you only have one opportunity to do so each year unless you've had a major life event. You can also recap with your advisor any financial transactions that have already taken place. As an example, if you've rolled over a retirement account this year, your financial advisor can let you know to keep your eye out for a 1099-R. This is a tax form for something that may have no consequence in terms of adding to your tax bill, but it is something that has to be filed with the IRS each year to alert them that a rollover has occurred. When you go over your investment accounts, you can talk to your advisor about any opportunities to take advantage of losses that may offset other gains in your portfolio. This is a concept called tax loss harvesting. There's all types of things that you can do in conversations to have with that advisor. And if that advisor is looking at your total portfolio, they can not only make those moves, but they can also give you an idea of the moves that will require you to communicate with your CPA because of the impact it has on your planning. And that leads into the fourth conversation, which is the conversation with the CPA or your tax preparer. 
I can tell you that most firms with which we do business have already closed off to new filing clients in the tax year 2023. Many CPA firms that are out there, tax preparer firms out there, if you don't get to them by early December, you are going to have to wait till the next tax filing year to become one of their clients. So you need to have a conversation with the CPA or tax preparer if you're evaluating them now, if you don't have someone, if you do have someone, there are several things that you can talk to with your CPA or tax preparer. And the brunt of those things have to do with getting a preview of what your return may look like. Now, there are some things that you have to wait for in the new year to be able to give them. You do have to wait for your W-2. You do have to wait for your 1099. But the fact of the matter is, if you look at your paycheck, you can see what your year-to-date pay is already. And even though there's a month left, your CPA can project out the rest of what that may look like. If you're an entrepreneur, you can know, hey, here's what I've earned year to date. Here's what my expenses have been year to date. You can download all that information to your tax preparer so they can give you a preview of that tax return. And if it's something like you owing on your taxes, then at least it gives you a few more months to save up for what you owe. Or you may be able to take some steps that will benefit you in terms of reducing what you owe or giving you a refund. So you need to let them know things like how much you've earned versus how much have been withheld from your paycheck. You want to let them know any health expenses that you've had. You want to let them know any charitable giving, the interest that you've paid on your mortgage, any unreimbursed expenses, any investment activity that you've done throughout the year that could generate gains or losses. They want to know about any bonuses that you've received or any equity compensation because many of these things can be manipulated in a legal way to benefit you from a tax perspective. So you're CPA or tax preparer can chart the course of everything they need that would be helpful, but just understand that any major life event that you have likely has a tax consequence. It could be a good consequence or a bad consequence, but when you move, when you, when you sell a property for a gain or a loss, when you have investment activity in a non-retirement account, if you roll over retirement accounts from one place to the next, if you gang a member of your family, if you lose a member of your family, if you get married, if you get divorced, all of those things need to be told to your tax preparer because they have an impact on your taxes. And then lastly, these are internal goals or at least internal to your household that you need to have a conversation about at the end of the year. When we start working with a client, we have a goals questionnaire that we go through. And to me, it's one of the most important things that we do when we first start a relationship because we break these goals down into behavioral based goals and time based goals. Behavioral based goals are things that you want to start stop or do more of financially. And I always push people to be specific and actionable when they set their goals. So for example, when you have a start goal, you may say that I want to start going over my budget every single Sunday to figure out where every dollar that I spent has gone for the previous week. And if you're like me, I would say that that goal is absolutely ridiculous because it doesn't fit with most people's lifestyle. It doesn't fit with just the other tasks that they have and responsibilities as a partner, as an employee, as a parent. So if I were to set that, I'd be setting a very unrealistic goal. It may be more realistic for me to say, I'd like to have a better grasp on where my money is going. I can take advantage of tools that track my spending and will send reports so that I can take two or three minutes on a Sunday to go over that report and see where my money is going. That's specific, it's actionable, and it suits the style of living that I'm going to have moving forward. If I have a stop goal, I may say, I wanna stop spending so much on groceries or on Amazon. That's not actionable. 
How do you do that? That's very nebulous. It's more specific to say, I'm going to stop going to the grocery store without a list, or I'm going to set budget notifications so that when I spend more than a certain amount on Amazon, I am notified. That's something that fits. It is automated. It doesn't require a lot of thought. And it's a behavior that you can continue to replicate moving forward without expecting to fall off the wagon. And then time-based goals are something that I love. I love one-year goals because a one-year goal should be something that's exceedingly attainable. As an example, I've shared on the podcast that this year we've had a number of trips to the hospital for my son. I've had some pretty expensive dental work that I wasn't expecting this year. We had two different situations at our house where we had to give our full deductible to have some work done on our roof and for water leaks. And as a result of those things, our emergency reserves took a beating this year. So my one-year goal is to build up our emergency reserves to where they were in the year prior. That's what I want to do over the course of the next year. It's an attainable goal, but it's something that I need to know so I can start to take steps to achieve it now. I also love three-year goals because a three-year goal is just long enough out that it's something that you shouldn't set that's an easy goal. It needs to take some uh, serious effort and intentionality to reach, but it's also something that's just close enough in the future that you can be pretty specific. So for example, I turn 37 in a few days. My three-year goal is by the time I turn 40, I want to have doubled our household income between myself and my wife, and I want us to have no consumer debt outside of our mortgage. No cars, no credit cards, no personal loans, no nothing. Just the mortgage, paid off cars. Now, is that going to be easy to do? No. But what's the point of setting an easy goal for something that's three years off in the future? You should be challenging yourself so that you can start to take steps even now, because while it's not easy, it is attainable with intentionality. The same is true for five year goals. And I also like 10 year goals because 10 years, in my opinion, is just long enough to completely change your stars financially. My favorite movie, as odd as it may seem, is A Knight's Tale. And in A Night's Tale, they talk about can a man change his stars? Well, I think he can. And I think 10 years is just long enough to do it. So be audacious with your 10 year goal. Make it a huge goal. I have shared with you that I eventually want to move to the point where I'm either working three or four days a week or I'm only working nine or 10 months out of the year. And I want to take the other two months to travel. Now, that's something that to do that, in my case, by 47 uh, would not be easy, but it's absolutely possible if I take steps to achieve it. So I want a big, audacious goal, and I want to make sure that the steps I'm taking financially from the one year to the three year to the five year are in pursuit of that 10 year goal. Now, this was a different episode than we've had in the past few weeks. I haven't gotten into many specifics, but it's the end of the year. Everything doesn't have to be tax tables and phase outs and employee benefits. So I really hope that this episode was valuable to you. I hope that there's at least one or two of these conversations that you can take into your household and get some benefit from, although I think all five would be helpful. Otherwise, I wouldn't have put it in the episode. But we will be back next week with more value, and I hope to see you then. From New Money, New Problems, this was the New Money, New Problems podcast a show for successful professionals searching for the tools they need to navigate financial opportunities and obstacles they've never seen. 